Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Take your Bibles, go to 1 John. If you need a copy of this morning's notes, just raise your hand. One of our men would love to put a copy of this morning's notes. Uh, This is a series of messages that we're preaching uh, from the book of 1 John. You know where we'll be every week. Um, I encourage you to be patient. Uh, For uh, even this uh, week, we um, uh, received text and emails. Pastor, in 1 John chapter 4, what does this verse mean? Well, we're in verse 5 of chapter 1. We'll get there, all right? So just be patient with me, and then after we get there, if we don't sufficiently answer your question, you, you ask me, and we'll go back and revisit that. But this morning, we're in 1 John chapter number 1. Um, now, I, I don't think too many people were back during this time, uh, but during the uh, American influenza epidemic of 1918... Churches and public gatherings, uh, uh, places they were ordered, closed. And uh, yet more than ever, it was during this time period that people, they needed some hope and some consolation. And burdened by uh, the inability to reach people in their great time of need, there was a pastor uh, who, who was very resourceful. And he thought that it would be great if he took the magnificent stained glass windows in his church and that uh, he illuminated them, that he, that he was able to tell a story. And uh, his church happened to be on a great thoroughfare where traffic, lots of people traffic, and uh, it, the church was large. It was commanding in its size. And he had numerous floodlights placed strategically uh, behind those stained glass windows. And, uh, and it illuminated and gave all of those passerbyers, all those people that walked by, it gave them the full effect of the story that was being told. Oh, there was those matchless portrayals of Jesus. Jesus, the the good shepherd with the lamb uh, draped over his bosom. Jesus, the searching savior as he was was looking for the lone lost sheep while the other 90 and 9 were safe uh, in their uh, fold. Jesus was praying in Gethsemane and Jesus, uh, he was on the cross and Jesus was triumphant in resurrection glory. And these eight sermons of light uh, behind the stained glass, they, they spoke an eloquent message. It provided hope in 1918. Well, let's advance to 2021, where there's something still referred to as a pandemic. Just this week, New Zealand and Australia took draconian measures to shut down their countries. Um, all across the world, people are isolated and in need of hope. Can I just be transparent? I had difficulty watching what happened this week in Afghanistan. It's torn me up. For 20 years, the people have experienced and tasted freedom. And whether you think we should be in Afghanistan or not, I'm not here to debate that. We are all free to have our own opinion. And I'm not here to even um, uh, give my opinion on that. But what I am here to say is that there were Christians who would have been in church today in some underground church somewhere, but in he- they're in heaven today because they were 
needlessly slaughtered. Our church is full of military people. We have men who have just returned from deployment, and we have those that we know that are getting ready to go on deployment. Men and women who desire to serve our country, who are being prevented from doing their jobs because they're literally this morning Americans behind enemy lines and they cannot get out of the country. But don't miss this. We sit here distracted. When will he ever get finished? I got things to do. I got shopping to do today. I've got activities I need to do today. When literally, in the world today, there's a fight going on. And it's not just a war of bullets, it's a spiritual battle. And it's happening, it's raging right now. And people need hope. And yet we sit often, myself included, in our smugness. Like, that's the other part of the world. That's the other side of the world. Uh, it's for... It's all politics. Oh, can I personalize it? I heard a testimony of a pastor this week from Afghanistan who said, we hear the bullets, they're coming, and there's been no communication since that last email. He's gone. The people in his church are gone. Folks, it is not a game what we're doing by coming to church. It's not the proverbial, let me check it off my list so that I've done my weekly obligation and it's done. I'm here to say this morning that all across the world people are isolated and they are in need of hope. And I'm thankful that we have the word of God, we have a church, we have technology to communicate the greatest story in all of the world. And I just want to say that we need to tell people about the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But for the grace of God, it's not Tucson that we're being prevented from going to church. May we never get over that thought. But for the grace of God, who would have ever thought that our own government would say, well, Americans, you kind of find your own way out of the country. I say our only hope is in God. And it is definitely, as we've seen this week, not in Washington, D.C. Would you stand with me as we give honor and reverence to the word of God this morning? And although I've been preparing for weeks for our series, this morning just takes on such a personal significance as I've seen literally what's happened in our world this week. And I ask you to please don't be distracted. Please give a careful ear to the preaching of God's word this morning. We need him. I'm going to ask all of us to read the verses together. Verse 5, 6, and 7. We'll read them in a responsive and then we'll get into the Word of God this morning. Together, let's read verse 5. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us 
from all sin. Father, as Pastor Jonathan has already prayed, we ask that you will be a great God of comfort, a great God of hope to our American friends, our brothers and sisters who are Americans who are trapped this evening in Afghanistan with a feeling of hopelessness. Father, all across the country of Afghanistan and other repressed countries, there are those who are literally suffering as Christians and their faith is being counted. They gathered knowing that they could die. And Father, we, we don't gather because uh, we want to go to a, a soccer game. We want to go to a volleyball game. We want to go camping and fishing and shopping and we're tired. And Oh God, forgive us for our failure. Father, I ask that you'll forgive us of our sins this morning. We are a weak, anemic church in America. Father, if the persecution that were to come and we were to ask, be asked by some soldier who would kill us, do you believe in Jesus? Father, how many of us would say, no, I'm not so sure about that. Or would we be willing to die because you are the light, you are the message, you are the hope. Father, convict us of our weak, anemic faith. And may this morning you restore a, 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 a vigor, a fire in each one of us that we must reach this world with the gospel message. Father, would you use this message? Would you stir up each one of our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. As we begin this Second message from the biblical letter of 1 John, we learned that our calling as believers is simply this. We are to walk in the light as he is in the light in verse number 7. So I've entitled this morning's message simply light. The whole message is about light. And so last week we learned that we're invited to fellowship with God vertically. And we're, we've learned that we as believers, we fellowship with each other horizontally. And we learned that in such fellowship, our joy is made full. And we can only have such fellowship and joy as we live in the light of God's holiness and truth. And there are three statements in the passage of Scripture that we have read this morning. And as I call your attention to these three statements, may we all open our hearts and our minds this morning. Here's statement number one. God's nature, He is light. We see God's nature, He is light. And we read that in verse number five, that God is light. And Jesus' life was a message about this. Our lives all leave a message. We've sadly done many funeral services over the past year, couple of years. And every one of those funerals, uh, the person's life told a story of faithfulness, conviction, love for the Lord, or a haphazardness lukewarmness, a testimony that we really don't know where that person is. For example, when I think of the message of Adolf Hitler's life, it's one of pride and followed to its fullest ex extent, it produced all manner of evil. But on the other hand, I love the message of the life of Hudson Taylor, a man who had a life of humility and followed to its fullest extent, he lived a life that produced much good throughout this world. Jesus' life was a message too. In fact, John tells us then, this is the message that we have heard of him. The message is stated specifically in this last half of verse number five. God is light and in him is no 
darkness at all. Majesty, that's what Jesus came to tell us. John says that the message was not his or the other disciples' creation. Rather, they heard it of him and they could declare it with confidence because it came from Jesus. And I hope that you did not come here today to hear just a message of words from Brent Armstrong. What I have to say is no more important than what you have to say. I hope that you came to hear a message from God this morning. I can give you God's message because it's right here in his word. The apostles gave God's message directly from the mouth of, the, of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And John summarizes the message in one simple statement. He says this, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. May I just tell you what's going on in Myanmar and Afghanistan is of Satan, the evil one, because that's all he is, is darkness. And as far as we know... This is not a direct quote from Jesus. It's a synopsis of Jesus' teaching concerning the nature of God. It's very similar to John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And Jesus declared the message about himself. In John 8 and verse 12, he said this, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In John 3 and verse 19, he explained this, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. We see the evilness of that which is going on in the world. May I just say, church, and I don't want there to be any mistake, we are just as evil when we treat God haphazardly. We are just as evil walking in darkness when we're indifferent to God. If God fits into my schedule, I'll be at church. If God fits into my schedule, I'll do my ministry. If God fits into my schedule, my ah, let me look here. Yeah, my finances allow, I'll give back to him. We're just as evil. Our deeds are evil. Light and darkness, they have two meanings in the Bible. In the Bible, light and darkness have two meanings. The contrast of light and darkness runs throughout the Old and New Testaments. It's a familiar metaphor in the Bible. Light and darkness are used in two ways. First of all, light represents purity and darkness represents evil. In an interview, best-selling author of fictional tales of horror, Stephen King was asked about his daily writing routine. He said that he only writes in the morning. And when asked whether he ever wrote at night, he replied, quote, Write at night? Are you kidding? Not with the stuff I write. Even Stephen King knows the power of darkness. The Bible says God is called light, but Satan is referred to as the prince of darkness, the, the power of darkness. In Isaiah chapter 5, it says this, Woe unto them that call evil good. And good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. All across this world, including the United States, there should be people quaking with fear if they really believed Isaiah 5 and verse number 20. Literally, the United States of America symbolizes this verse. You take Isaiah 5 and verse 20 and you talk to your co-workers tomorrow about it at work. 
It describes the country that we currently live in. The Bible says in John 12, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk then as children of light. When John here writes that God is light, he means that God is pure. He is righteous. He is holy. Uh, He is in no way evil, depraved, and sinful. With him there are no shadows. There's nothing shady about God. Number two, light represents truth. Not only purity, but light represents truth. And darkness represents ignorance. Darkness represents ignorance. Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Proverbs 6 verse 23 says, For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Peter wrote in, in, in 2 Peter 1 and verse number 9, he said this, To a more sure word of prophecy is a light that shineth in a dark place. Zacharias prophesied that Jesus would come to give light to them that sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. Jesus said again in John 8, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall, walk, shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The nature of light is to illumine uh, darkness, is to dispel darkness, to do away with darkness. And so when John says this, God is light, he means that God is true, and in him is no darkness of error. Of error. There is no, nothing in God that we have to wonder about and be in fear of. So when I study light, I really see that light has three purposes. And maybe we need to be reminded of that. And in these purposes, we can clearly see the nature of God. Number one, light reveals. Light reveals. Light illumines. To shed light on a subject is to share precise knowledge, to bring something to light, to learn more about it, to have clear knowledge. On the Arizona-California border, there's a huge campground Um, That people come from all over to do rock and mineral uh, collecting. And especially after a rainstorm, they say people flood to this area to walk out in the desert to find rocks and minerals. But there's also a man... He has a booth set up in this uh, large uh, uh, campground. And there in this booth, uh, the people will bring to him rocks and stones and minerals for him to examine to see if there's any value. Now, here's what's interesting. As he examines those stones, he uses a special magnifying glass and a bright, brilliant light. And the light shining through that magnifying glass reveals any flaws, reveals the value of what those have found out in the desert. It's said that when purchasing pottery, especially in the boutiques of the Middle East, that the careful shopper will always take the pot out of the booth, out of the store, hold it up into the sunlight to see if there's any cracks. 
I've heard this story before. I've been to Morocco three times, and on one of those trips, we were, in, um, we were down in Casablanca, and we went to the uh, market, and, uh, and I remembered this story. And we went, and there's pots, uh, just like in the picture, or there's racks of pots, and uh, some of them are just clay pots, some of them are glazed, some of them are brilliantly decorated. And so we went, and I actually took one of those pots. I was with a, uh, with a great missionary that we support, um, and have supported for many years, and, and I took that pot and walked outside. I remember saying, what are you doing? You can, it looked like I was stealing the pot, but I walked outside, and I held it up, and I turned it around just to see if this was true. Um, uh, it, it was glazed. I couldn't see if there were any cracks in it, but, uh, uh, but, but people would take the pots out to see if there were cracks in them. Uh, Ray Steadman, he uh, I read a, a, a book by him, and, and he told a story about uh, a group that was traveling from Texas to Southern California. There was a couple friends with him, and they decided to take a detour. And so they went up to the Grand Canyon, uh, not having enough money for a motel room. Uh, they drove to the National Park, and they arrived inside the park around midnight. And they had some sleeping bags with them, and they they uh, they just rolled out their sleeping bags and slept out uh, out in the wild. When they awoke. At dawn, the sunrise revealed that they were sleeping within an arm's length of the canyon in a 500-foot drop-off. Many of us, we've been there. We can visualize this. We can, see, we can see this literally happening. We can say it this way. Light reveals, darkness conceals. Light reveals, darkness conceals. When the light came up, the next morning, the campers were able to see it was revealed that they were in danger. But under the cover of darkness, uh, they could have easily gone a few more feet and fallen off to their death. God's nature is light. God reveals. He reveals the truth about us. He reveals our sin. He reveals our imperfections. He reveals in his words how we're to live our life. That is why John 3 and verse 19 says, Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. May I just say this morning, I know this to be true. We do not like it when Pastor Armstrong or another speaker from this platform says something that would reveal that there is a problem in our life. Then it hits a nerve and we get and we get a little annoyed that he would say something that would perhaps apply to how we live our lives. May I just say that's what light does. It reveals our imperfections. It reveals uh, the struggles that we have in our marriage. It reveals the struggles that we may have in our family. It reveals the struggles that we have within our own life. Don't rebuff that. Be thankful that what light is able to accomplish. So light reveals, and then I see that light measures. Number two, light measures. Have you ever checked a piece of lumber for straightness? Um, uh, my dad, uh, whenever he would buy a two before, I had no idea what he was doing. He would pull it out of the rack, and he would lay it uh, one end on, and he'd put the other end up next to his eye. He would look down at that, and, he, and the light would reveal if that two before was straight or not, if it was crooked. And if it was crooked, um, uh, my, dad, my dad would uh, uh, put it back in the rack and pull out another one until he could find a two before that was straight. Light is straight. And may I just say this? Since light is straight, light will show anything that's crooked, including our lives, including the way we live our lives through our attitudes and our actions. 
Surveying equipment, I am told, uses captured sunlight to measure distances and angles, and builders use laser light devices to quickly measure room dimensions. Here's the thing I find. Light measures. Now listen to this. God is light. And in a sense, he's the measuring stick. For example, if you're having marital problems, check your marriage by the light of the word of God. If you're having trouble in your family, in the workplace, in your finances, with a uh, situation that's too private or personal to even talk about, may I just say check that situation out by the light of the Word of God and it'll clearly show you the crooked places in your relationships and in your life and in your finances and in your troubles. Light measures. But I'm also thankful for this. Light energizes. Not only does it reveal, not only does it measure, but light energizes. Do you remember your fifth grade science class? Do you remember something called, I think it's this word, photosynthesis? Photosynthesis. Now, some of you may have to go back just a little, a little uh, ways in your memory to remember what photosynthesis is all about. It's the natural process by which the radiant energy of the sun activates the chemical compounds within plants that causes growth and fruit. Light energizes. I am so thankful I can give you this personal illustration. How many of you have weeds? How many of you have lots of weeds? May I just tell you that that is called Photosynthesis. We have literally, here in the desert, we've experienced this over the past five weeks as we've been... Oh, I just saw that picture. Pastor David, is that your house? Oh, he slid out. Uh, what has happened over the, over the past five weeks is incredible. The growth of weeds and trees and plants and flowers. Literally, we have lived at our house for four plus years, and we have some weeds growing that are producing flowers that I didn't even know existed for, over the past four years. It's the first time we've ever seen. Oh, we have these beautiful white flowers uh, uh, growing in, our, uh, in the desert there at our house. There's been an explosion of growth. Have you ever noticed, though, that some people are born again and they begin a radical transformation in their lives. It seems that over a short period of time, their lives become entirely different. I can point out a few people like that in our congregation today. You were once on drugs and now you're drug free. Your marriage was on the rocks and because of salvation, your marriage has been restored. I'm here to tell you that here's what happened. God has energized some people through his word through the light that he is. And now people are growing and they're bearing fruit. You might say, yes, Pastor, but I've seen that in a few people, but I know many people who claim to be Christians and are not like that. They're harsh and they're angry and they're bitter and they're untrustworthy and they can, they're conceited. Why hasn't God energized them? And I'm glad you asked. There are many people who have been saved, but instead of walking in the radiant light God's energy, of God's light. Sadly, we all know Christians who are stumbling in darkness. Stumbling in darkness. And this comment leads us directly to the second point of our message, and that's statement number two. Not only do we look at God's nature, but we look at our nature. Our nature. Stumbling in the dark. 
That is the best description of our nature is that we're always stumbling in the dark. And may I say this morning, there is a difference between relationship and fellowship. There's a difference between the two. Why do some Christians, they seem transformed by their contact with Christ and others do not seem uh, any discernibly different? The answer is in verse number six that we read together. The Bible says this, some say they have fellowship with him. But they walk in darkness. I'm asking you to picture someone right now in your very own mind who say they're a Christian. And you say, if they're a Christian, I don't want what they have. If they're a Christian, if that's the definition of being a Christian... Let's use the Bible definition. What's happening is they are walking, stumbling in the darkness of sin and error. It's possible to have a relationship with God, but not have fellowship with God. There's a big difference between the two. There are people this morning, perhaps seated here, perhaps watching by live stream. You have relationship. But your fellowship was broken a long time ago. 1 John 5 and verse 12 clearly states, He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. This speaks of a relationship. When you were saved, God began an eternal relationship with you. He redeemed you. He regenerated you. He justified you. He placed the Holy Spirit of God within you. If we had time, John 10 verse 28, 29 tells us that no one can ever even snatch us out of his hand. However, there are many who have a relationship with God, but no fellowship with him because they've chosen To walk in darkness. I'll never forget that when my mother and father were saved. I'm not a a second generation Christian. None of my family was saved. Um, My mom and dad were radically saved. And when I say radically saved, they were transformed by the light of God's word. They were transformed because God is light. My mom and dad, they smoked, they drank, they cursed. They did all manner of evil that would be associated with the 1960s. And may I just tell you, at the moment my mom and dad got saved, it was was radical what happened. They quit smoking. And they never heard a message about that. Do you know that my dad and mom, they quit drinking. No one told them that they needed to do that. The Holy Spirit of God transformed them. But here's the one thing, even at 56, I'm still struggling with, and that is, is that my mom had one of the vilest, dirtiest mouths of, any, of anyone. She could curse with any sailor, and she would win. My mom had a bad mouth. So as a boy, I learned all those words. And to this day, I can still taste ivory soap in my mouth. My mother was radically transformed by the light. She was energized. It revealed uh, that what she, the way she was living was not correct. And then when I would use all of those words that I learned from my mom, she would say, Brent, stick out your tongue. And she would take a bar of ivory soap and she would wash my tongue until I would gag. And it didn't take too many times before I learned that I wasn't supposed to say those words. My mom radically changed. I wasn't a Christian. I didn't know any difference. I I didn't understand those words. I just know that that's what I learned from my mom and dad. I told this story in one of our starting point classes, and the next week someone brought me a pack of six bars of ivory soap. (laughs) 
please, I do not need any ivory soap. I will donate it if you bring it to me. I will never use it. I can't even smell it. It is uh, so nice. I remember it has scarred me for life, having my tongue clean. But I'll tell you what, I, didn't, I don't use those words. And as I said several weeks ago, my, my children have never, ever heard me say a curse word. Um, and thanks to my mom and her ivory soap, they never will. But may I just say what happens is that my mom and dad had relationship. And they had fellowship. And they were a glimmering example of what a life is that's radically changed. When you were saved, God began that eternal relationship with you. I put in your notes there a quote that a commentator wrote. Would you follow along in your notes? This is fascinating. I could never say it better. You can never have fellowship until you've established relationship. In other words, you can never have the fellowship I'm talking about until you have relationship called salvation. But you can certainly have relationship without fellowship. Relationship puts us into the family of God, but fellowship permits the life of that family to shine out. Relationship is to be put in the Lord, but fellowship is to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Relationship means that all God has is potentially yours, but fellowship means you are actually drawing upon that. Listen to how this quote ends. Relationship is you possessing God, but fellowship is God possessing you. I ask you this morning, do you have, first of all, relationship? Has there ever been a time that you've seen yourself as a sinner, deserving of a place called hell because of your sin, and you bowed your head, and you asked the God of heaven to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse your soul, and, to, and you accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you ever done that? That's relationship. But I'm looking at hundreds and hundreds of people this morning that you have relationship. But for you, the question is, do you have fellowship? Does God possess you? So that leads me to this. We still have many people then who are believers who continue to walk in darkness. And God help us this morning. We often think that salvation is the answer to everything. If someone has a problem, we ask, are you sure that you're saved? And often the problem is not relationship, but fellowship. They're saved, but they choose to continue to walk in darkness. To walk in darkness simply means this, to turn off God's light. To live as if there is no God. We refuse to expose ourselves to Him. And when we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. We're living a lie. Who are we lying to? Who is deceived? It certainly is not God. He knows all. And we try to deceive others, but we end up deceiving ourselves. And listen, listen to me. Please listen. There's some folks sleeping this morning, and maybe it's a little hot and a little bit humid. But may I just tell you in light of what's going on in our world, let's not sleep. Let's wake up. Listen. Moms and dads, I can tell you families that once came to this church and they're losing their children because, oh, they have a relationship, but they have no fellowship. And their children see that example. You who are here, your children, your children are watching, listening to you. Oh, they know that you have relationship, but they would say, fellowship? I don't even know what fellowship is. My mom and dad don't demonstrate that. I beg you, 
to listen to the message. There are multiple missteps in the life of those who walk in darkness. And this morning we will assign names. We will think right now of names of people who this describes as I give you these missteps that we all could have. I beg you if any of these apply to you, please make a decision today to say that is not going to be me because if that describes the person walking in darkness, I don't want anything to do with it. Misstep number one is people stop coming to church. They choose to stumble in their darkness and people avoid the light of the teaching of God's word and they literally create excuses to salve their own conscience. Listen, we're going to have family time this morning. May I just tell you, Hebrews 10 and verse 25 is in the Bible. It is a command. And it does not command us to come on a Wednesday night, but it commands you to come on a Sunday. On the first day of the week, we're to be in church, the Bible says. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. The some is as those who walk in darkness. So you want to be the right example to your spouse? You want to be the right example to your children? You want to be the right example to your grandchildren? Misstep number one, to walk in darkness means church is optional. Misstep number two, people stop reading their Bibles or people fail to read the Bible. This is one of the surest ways to shut out light is to close your Bible. It's the surest way to destroy fellowship with God to close your Bible. Misstep number three, people fail to participate in worship or they do not participate in worship. While others sing and others praise God, some mumble their words, uh, 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 they're 50 miles away thinking of something else and people miss the light that is inherited, dynamic, corporate worship. Oh, my time has gone by quickly. Misstep number four, uh, people who walk in darkness, who have relationship, is people avoid self-examination. Now, this one's dangerous because this gets down to where you are and where people know you are. We nod, amen, preacher, at the right places during the message, but we never ask, how do I apply this morning's message to my own life and to that of my family? How do I apply it? Often people never ask the personal question, am I closer to God today than I was six months ago? Is there any evidence of growth or fruit in my life? James 1 verse 22 tells us this. It says that we're not to be just hearers of the word, but we're to be doers of the word. Do you know why you come? You hear a message from God from your pastor that I take and use it. We do not give our tithes and offerings to come and Listen to a sermonette, a devotionette that I can pat myself on the back and say, boy, I sure am glad I'm not like all, all those homeless people in Tucson that, that no, don't know anything about Jesus. I sure am glad I'm not like all those people that's, that's drunk today. And we may somehow make it that uh, uh, our mantra that I'm a little bit better than other people. May I just tell you, the, the fact of the matter is if we're not do, doing what we hear, we're no better than those who we say, oh, they live under the bridge. Self-examination is hard, but we must do it. Misstep number five is this. People compare themselves with others. Instead of examining their lives in the light of God's truth, God's word, God's holiness, we compare ourselves to our coworkers. Well, I'm a lot better than them, so I must be okay. May I just tell you the measuring stick is God, not others. Misstep number six. People never admit they have struggles. 
People never admit, I have some struggles. I'm not perfect. And may I just tell you, your pastor has his hand up in the air. I am not perfect. I have struggles. And what happens is when we're not transparent enough that, listen, can you pray for me? Over the last three weeks, there's just been some tremendous struggles. Tremendous struggles. In fact, I had a lady uh, uh, just this past week said, Pastor, are you okay? You look so down. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not, uh, I don't want to look down. There's just been some tremendous struggles over the last couple of weeks. But if we never admit our struggles, no one can ever help us. People put on a mask. A proverbial mask. I put that in there just to see if anybody would smile. People put on a mask and they pretend everything is all right. May I just take a, a, a side trail here? Before the whole mask thing, try walking into your bank with a mask on. <laughs> now try walking into the bank without a mask. I am so confused. How many of you are confused like me? Yes, it's, it's idiotic. But here's what I say. We are great as Christians of putting on the proverbial mask. And if you want to wear a mask, fine. But oftentimes we put on a mask to hide what's really going on. We never admit, I have some struggles. Statement number three in our text this morning is simply this. Our calling. Our calling. What am I supposed to do with the message this morning? We're to walk in the light. We're to walk in the light. And here's a couple of things that, that, that will happen. It'll be very brief. Walking in the light builds fellowship with God. It's not relationship. We have relationship at salvation. But here's what's exciting to me is that if I love my heavenly father, if I love Jesus Christ that we sang about and the choir sang about this morning, then I should desire to build fellowship with God. I want my relationship to be right with God first and foremost. How about you? When we walk in the light as he is in the light, we are in the light with him. We have both relationship and fellowship. Walking in the light builds fellowship with other believers. Isn't that awesome? This is one of the greatest things about coming to church is that I can have fellowship with you. I have relationship and fellowship with my fellow believers. John says we have fellowship one with another. A lack of fellowship with other believers is based on a lack of fellowship with God. And when the light shines on us, it reflects on others too. It's wonderful to come to church and have fellowship with other people. And walking in the light builds joy. Joy. Um, John says this, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Why are there some people that have no joy? Is that there's sin, ugly, nasty, septic sin in your life. And it has zapped and destroyed your joy. But I'm so thankful that there's a remedy to that. His name is Jesus Christ. And the word of God says it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us of our sin. May I say, we cannot walk in darkness without feeling guilty. Guilt, it produces something called depression. And depression can bring on insomnia and obesity and ulcers and other physical problems. And being out of fellowship with God will cause 
all kinds of problems. Now, there's some folks this morning, you're out of fellowship with God. You have your relationship. You're a card-carrying mem- card member of the I'm going to heaven club. But your fellowship with God would be embarrassing if it was truly be revealed by the light of his word. When we walk in the light, we stop deceiving ourselves. We stop posturing and pretending. And we honestly bring our sins into the light. And we admit them to God. And our sins are made evident by the light. And we deal with it. And when we deal with it, we find cleansing and forgiveness. And we find hope. And we find healing. And may I just say in a word, our joy becomes full again. Some of you have lost your joy. A little boy saw the famous cathedrals of Europe with his family, and his Sunday school teacher asked him, What is a saint? And remembering those stained glass windows, he said this, A saint is someone God shines light through. A saint is someone that God shines light through. So I ask you this morning, are you in fellowship with God? Are you a saint that the light, light is shining through? Or if we were to walk into your home and you didn't know we were there, what would we see? What would we hear? If we could somehow just sit on the corner of the desk at your work, ride in the vehicle of your work, walk with you through the plant where you work, And you didn't know we were there. And we recorded what you did and said during the day. And then I showed up or someone showed up and said, let me replay for you what happened today. Would you be embarrassed? You shouldn't be embarrassed because of me. If you have relationship, the Holy Spirit lives within you and he literally walked with you through the day already. He heard what you heard. He saw what you saw. He went where you went. I submit there's some of us that have had a broken fellowship with God. And we need to make that right. Through the light of the Word of God this morning, we need to make that right. We need to confess that as sin. We need to have our fellowship restored. We need to understand that our, our families are on the battle line, and our families are the next generation that one day will fill our, our, our churches and will fill our pulpits and will fill our choirs. And if it's based on you, will they ever be here? Self examination is tough, but we must do it.